I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Um, so I don't know. It's, and, it's, you know and sometimes it fails miserably, right? Like sometimes I have this idea to do something and I put it out there and, and no one responds or it doesn't really work out the way I'm thinking to. But then sometimes it's sort of that courage, that bump that I need to, to make something happen. And um, I also like, I believe that, um, you know, if you want to live an extraordinary life, you need to do things that are extraordinary, right? And, and, and I think sometimes just the, the act of going from an idea of a thought in your head to making it real pushes it into the extraordinary realm. Yeah, um, yeah. There's a there's a fantastic book called The Alter Ego Effect by Todd Herman. And he talks about this idea, right? It's like the idea of I'm going to call my mom and, and, you know, say something lovely about her, right? Versus actually calling your mom and saying something lovely about her. Like that pushes it into the extraordinary realm of, of actually manifesting a thought. How you day, how you day. That was the voice of Sam Kern. And we're talking about how to be radically different. That's the name of his podcast, which he will be producing every week as soon as you listen to this podcast. So make sure you subscribe to his podcast, but it's also his platform and it's a way of life. And we discussed his journey to becoming radically different and why he believes that this is the best way to be more empathetic and to be more understanding of each other. We also dive into some of his thoughts on remote work and what we can do today, how that can open up doors or mindsets. Pretty interesting podcast, uh, interesting gentleman as well, and I hope you check out his work. Uh, also check out his TEDx talk. I'll make sure I put that in the show notes as well. So this is the last week before the registrations close for Lally and I's coaching. So if you want to work on your branding, your storytelling, and your public speaking, please feel free to subscribe or register. I'll put that in the show notes. Once again, it's going to be for 12 months. And we're going to be going through many aspects of who you are, what your superpowers are, and how we can tie that to a gift that can change the world. Really excited about this and looking forward to meeting some of you on the platform. But till then, enjoy the episode. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of As Told by Nomads. Today, we have Sam Kern. Now, Sam is the host and producer of Radically Different. It's a podcast series about lifestyles and career paths that break from the norm. As you all know, part of the the premise of this podcast is use your difference to make a difference. We're all about breaking from the norm here. So I'm excited to have Sam on the show. Welcome to the show, Sam. Thank you, Tayo. It's it's an honor to be here. Well, the pleasure is mine. I normally start off with people's background. So 
I want to know how you got to where you got to. You know, what was it like for young Sam before that turning point moment for you? Mm. Well, so I guess I'll start. You know, I grew up in a, a small town in rural Montana. It's like five thousand mm. people, and um, you know, I had like a really stable, fairly normal middle class childhood. And um, I think for me, like the the turning point that's sort of led to you know, the podcast that I started and, you know, I've been basically a, a digital nomad for the past two years since I graduated college. Um, yeah. I think I can actually, you know, I've been reflecting on this a lot. I can really put that moment back to when I was 18 years old. I, um, and I was like a freshman in college. I didn't know what I wanted to study. And I, uh, volunteered for this conference called Hatch. Um, and basically Hatch is a, um, it's a summit that unites a hundred innovators and change makers from around the world with the intention of hatching a better world. And so you can imagine I, I volunteered for this event and I, I walk into the room and my mind was just blown by the, the caliber of the people in the room, right? This is people from all around the world um, who are doing like amazing world changing things. Um, and it was really this mixture of, of just awe, a little bit of inadequacy, and really just this sort of busting open of possibilities, right? And so, um, you know, I actually, you know, it was just such a transformational experience for me that um, after that I, I stayed involved with the organization. Um, two years later when I was um, 20, I was the executive coordinator of Hatch. Um, and it really like, it really had, a, I think, a pretty profound impact on me. And it really just showed me like what was possible and it made me realize that there are other, you know, career paths. It, it also, um, you know, I was introduced to a lot of entrepreneurs and I, I had had this sort of um, idea of what it, you know, meant to be an entrepreneur and this really changed that for me. I realized that you could, you know, make money and um, have an impact in the world. And, um, you know, also I met, you know, people who are global travelers and writers and podcasters. And um, so it was, uh, it was a pretty transformational moment for me. And so I think that when I think about like the purpose of my podcast, Radically Different, which is about exposing people to lifestyles and career paths that break from the norm. It's kind of, in a way, it's sort of like giving people a taste of that experience, right? Mm -hmm. One one podcast episode at a time. Um, and it's really about sort of expanding your possibilities because I believe that um, exposure to radically different ways of living can have a big impact on your life and, and can also make the world a, a better place. Why do you think people are opposed to things that are radically different? At least in my experience, you know, I, I know when I used when I started using your difference to make a difference, you know, uh, the, you know, that mindset or even just talking about it. I noticed a lot of times anything that was different from the norm wasn't something that was met with initial comfort, uh, at least when I started talking to people. But I don't know if that's your experience. Yeah. So, I mean, one is that a lot of people just like to be comfortable. They like what they know. And I think people are sort of at varying levels on that scale. I'm someone who loves to just kind of jump into something that's totally different and adventurous and uncomfortable. Um, so that's one thing. Yeah. I think too that it's it's sort of like it has a lot to do with um, the context in which you experience something new and different. And I also think about for me, there's been certain things where the first time that I'm exposed to something, I'm like, eh, you know, it's it feels uncomfortable, it's not interesting, and then over time. Like with each sort of uh, exposure to something, you become more comfortable with it. You, um, you become more open to it. And so I think yeah. in a way, it's kind of, and I know this is also a principle with marketing, which is sometimes it's just like, 
you know, you just want your stuff to be seen by someone a certain number of times. So I think part of it too is, um, is just like having the right introduction to something that's unfamiliar. Yeah. yeah. I was asking this because I was doing research on you and then I loved this part. You started off one of your blog posts with, I have a new rule. Whenever I feel the powerful, <laughs> yeah, you're like, whenever I feel the powerful urge to do something three times and fear is the thin holding me back, I'll do it. No hesitating, do it. And that that was that was that was fascinating to me because it's uh I mean, yes, it's like the Nike thin, but it's not something that's common. I mean, people sometimes will think about, oh, I don't know what will other people say, or I'm gonna mess up and she might think I'm a loser or he might not, you know, respond and and then it's going to be that. But that concept, I think it, you know, it, it's the key to being radically different. But I think when we, we hold ourselves back, we, we actually hold our potential back as well. Yeah. Well, so yeah, I guess just to provide, provide some, some context on that, on that article. Um, yeah, the, the, the title of the article is, is fuck it, let's go. Um, and, and it really was, I, I wrote it right after I went to this conference called World Domination Summit last year. And um, I was just starting to realize that there were, it's so easy to have ideas, right? And, yeah. and oftentimes, you know, something that we kind of desire to do. And what I found is I would kind of keep thinking about the same things. And sometimes an idea comes, you think about it for a second, and then you kind of let it pass and you don't really dwell on it. But there were certain yeah. things that I kept thinking about. And I was like, if I keep thinking about this, it's probably because it's something I actually want to do. And so anyway, in that article, I write about how I have this rule where, you know, if I, if I have this idea to do something three times and if it doesn't get in the way of my main mission, meaning it's going to be a big distraction or it's going to take a lot of time, I just do it. Um, so I don't know. It's, and it's, you know, and sometimes it fails miserably, right? Like sometimes I have this idea to do something and I put it out there and, and no one responds or it doesn't really work out the way I'm thinking to. But then sometimes it's sort of that courage, that bump that I need to, to make something happen. And um, I also like, I believe that, um, you know, if you want to live an extraordinary life, you need to do things that are extraordinary, right? And, and, and I think sometimes just the, the act of going from an idea of a thought in your head to making it real pushes it into the extraordinary realm. Yeah, um, yeah. There's a there's a fantastic book called the alter ego effect by Todd Herman. And he talks about this idea, right? It's like the idea of I'm going to call my mom and, and, you know, say something lovely about her, right. Versus actually calling your mom and saying something lovely about her. Like that pushes it into the extraordinary realm of, of actually manifesting a thought. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, yeah, when you think about radically different, that's part of the ethos as well. I've, I've watched a lot of talks and I, I was reading the, uh, it was in Portland, I believe. I think that's what you, the word domination song. Yeah. I think it was yeah, yeah. Whenever I hear similar speakers, I, I've, I've heard people say action is more important uh, than waiting for motivation. And, mm -hmm. and I don't know if you agree or not, but what you, you said reminded me of that. Cause I was, uh, I was on the TikTok dive. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I, I came across one of these videos that, that, that they were saying that, and, it was something to the effect of, you know, if you want to go to the gym, you got to stand up first or, you know, you got to at least get out of bed or you, you got to lift the first weight. You know, if you want to write a whole book, you got to write with the first, you know, you got to start with the first page. And the whole concept is sometimes uh, people wait to be motivated or they try to find an external source of, of motivation 
And they forget that just taking that first step of action can start the whole process. I mean, they don't even have to complete the whole thing, but they, if they start like, okay, I just, I took the first step, let me do five sets, then that's 10 sets. Mm-hmm. And then you, you start to, you know, rewire your body and your brain. Uh, but that was, that, that was kind of the concept. And, and I thought it was interesting because I, I think sometimes, you know, I, in our world today, especially during COVID, we feel like options are taken away from us. And sometimes we feel like we can't really do anything else. And I think that idea of being a, a starter can actually help people, you know, more, especially now that people think that, uh, you know, this is going to last longer than we initially thought. Right. Well, I also think it's it's kind of like a muscle that you're training. Right? Of course. And it's like it's yeah. the muscle that you want to be training is someone who who when they have ideas of something when they want to try, it, they just try it. And also, I think treating it as an experiment. So it's similar to kind of what I talk about in my TED talk of like life experiments, similar in just sort of small little experiments on a day to day level. Um, yeah. I think oftentimes I myself and other people will, with if they don't act on the idea, they'll just it's it'll start to kind of form this. It'll we'll sort of bottle it up and 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 keep it in our mind, and then we kind of create a story around it where it becomes bigger and bigger and more important, and then it's scarier to put out there. And I've been trying to think about how do I minimize the space between the thought, the, the idea, the dream, and taking action on it, right? Because yeah. then, and also because then I think it lowers the bar, it lowers your expectations, and you can just treat it as like an experiment. Yeah, no, I, and one of the things that I also like about, you know, I, I'm sorry, I did a lot of research, but this I also like about <laughs> what you're doing. Was, <laughs> it, you had said at some point, uh, you know, you're not committed to any sort of schedule or quarter, you know, you just... When you when you feel like doing something and you think about something, you you know you do it, and I think that type of thinking eliminated whatever pressure that might have existed for you before. I mean, you just said you didn't put yourself under any form of pressure. You said, okay, if I have an idea, I'm going to put it there, and we'll do it. If I want to do a podcast, I'm going to do it. And I'm sure people have different thoughts on that, but I, that probably freed a lot of different things for you where you you were, you know relieved from whatever pressure there might have been if you had to do something on a specific day at a specific time every day. Well, Tayo, I mean, that's interesting that you say that because I think something that you've done incredibly well is consistency over time, right? You've done, what, 500 and something podcast episodes. And I think that there is something to be said about consistency. Um, You know, for me, like I did a season of the podcast and what I found is because I made it a season, in a way it was great because it opened up then the space for me to do a bunch of other exciting things that I was, you know, incredibly excited about. Um, you know, including like going and doing this apprenticeship at an experiential dinner company. And then I was just in Guatemala, um, getting ready to produce a a co-living experience. But I do find that I think like it's really important to have consistency. And so I'm actually like within the context of podcasting, like I'm going to start releasing weekly episodes of my podcast starting next week. And my plan is to just do that into perpetuity, right? And because I'm really realizing that I think consistency over time is very important. So I don't know. It's a balance. Um, is I, I think it's like you want to leave room for just kind of um, when, when, I, when, when you're feeling motivated to act on that. But also I think like setting certain systems in place can be good, especially if you're trying to have momentum. Absolutely. I mean, if you think about... 
athletes or top performing people, there's a certain level of consistency, the consistency of showing up. I guess what I was saying that I connected to with what you were, you were saying um, is when you didn't put a limit or to yourself or anything, for some people, that involves a, a, a heightened level of self-awareness where some people mm-hmm. don't react well to homework. Some people don't react well to limits. And so if you just tell yourself, hey, if I feel like doing it, I'm going to do it. And I will only make one promise to myself that I will show up consistently. I think that would inevitably get you to where you find a rhythm that works for you. Right. Uh, but I do believe, I do actually believe consistency is, is, uh, is important because there are many times, you know, over the weeks, I started do, doing this in August, 2014, where I thought, I don't have it this week, but then right. I, I somehow, I'm, <laughs> I somehow found some external motivation or internal drive where the, the head, my head was like, but if you don't do it, who's going to, what are they going to listen to this week? <laughs> and, right. and, and then it was back and forth. Right on. Ah, thanks for sharing that. I appreciate that. Just uh, not actually, that- one thing to add to that. There's a quote that I love that I think ties to this, which is, you know, leaders are obligated to create and maintain momentum. I think it goes something like that. And I, that, that really, you know, stuck out to me. Um, because what I found is like, sometimes when you're feeling momentum, you should capitalize on that momentum. Um, like when you're feeling motivation, you should capitalize on that motivation and, and create momentum so that when there's periods where you're feeling down, you're feeling uninspired, that that momentum is already there, right? So it's it's yeah. easier to kind of keep going, it kind of pulls you forward. Yeah, it's a muscle like you were saying. The other thing, the other thing I want to talk about is your TEDx talk. We're in an interesting time. And I consult a lot with a lot of people and I've been working remote for a little bit. And one of the things I consult on is remote work. But the title of your talk is The Surprising Power of Remote Work. I'm curious if you could break that down for the audience. Yeah. So to me, the, the, the inspiration for that talk um, occurred because, you know, I, I basically, you know, I was after I left college, I, you know, traveled in Southeast Asia for a while. And that was this period of, you know, really like exploration and feeling really free. And I started I started freelancing, um, you know, 15 hours a week and was making plenty of money to live in a place like Thailand quite comfortably. And so in, in that way, the surprising power was that it gave me all of this space to explore my curiosity and discover passions. And so one of the things I did with that extra time that I had because I was working part time and remote is that I started this podcast radically different. And you know, I think that what I realized in that process was, you know, it gave me the ability then to, to have the mental space and actually have the time to, to pursue this thing. And it turns out that podcasting was something I was actually very passionate about. Right. But I think it really, it really kind of, um, the, 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 the surprising power became even more obvious when, you know, one of the things after I was, I was living in, in, um, Colombia, um, in Medellin for a while and, and I was uh, living there producing the podcast and when I finished the first season, uh, I, I went to actually hatch uh, the conference in Mexico and um, I met this guy named uh, Pablo Fernandez and he, he runs this company called Secret Table and they do these experiential multi-sensory dinners and um, you know, I, I, this is something I've been interested in for a long time, like this idea of live experience design and how you can create experiences to help people connect at a deeper level. And so I just, I was like, 
you know, we really hit it off and I was like, Pablo, I'm just gonna throw this out there. Could I like come work with you for free? Um, cause I'm just super interested in what you're doing. Right. And, um, you know, just to my, my surprise, he actually said yes. And so I, I ended up going to San Diego and, um, ended up spending four months there working with him and his team of chefs to produce these experiences. And I got like this incredible mentor and friend from the, from the experience. And what I realized was that because you know, I could only do this because I was working part-time and I was remote, right? So it really reduced the friction to be able to try new things. So not only for me to have the ability to do it, but on his side as well, like um, it was kind of a no-brainer because it was like, you know, I was, you know, ambitious. I was interested in this stuff. I really wanted to dig in I, and I, sh I showed him that I could provide value. And for him, it was like no risk because he didn't have to hire me. He didn't have to pay me at first, right? And And I just said like, hey, worst case, I'll just, you know, come for a few weeks if it's not the right fit, like, you know, we can just, you know, establish that and I can go on my way. Mm. And so what I realized is that it's this incredible tool that, you know, anyone who's, you know, starting out their career or interested in a career transition could use because. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Theoretically, you could use the same strategy with almost anyone in the world. Right. So think about the person that you most aspire to be or, you know, whether that's a, an author that you really admire or a speaker you really admire or or whatever, unless they're like at the very, very top of their game and everyone wants to work with them, no matter if it's paid or not, there's a good chance that they could use help. Like everyone needs help, especially from someone who has ideas, who has something that they can bring to the table. And so it just kind of struck me that it was like this really powerful strategy. Um, it was pulled actually originally, it's kind of the com combining digital nomadism and the concept of free work, right? Um, there's a, actually a Ted talk that, that I watched years ago, I think it was called the new way to work by Charlie Hohen. And that kind of inspired mm. me as well. Right. And that Ted talk had a big impact on me because I realized that, Oh, if you offer yourself, you know, if you offer to work for free, it really opens doors. And so this is what I'm really about as well. Like, I think when we think digital nomad, we think it's all about travel and kind of freedom and, you know, like travel bloggers and like I get to do what I want. And and that's cool. But I'm saying actually location independence, part time work, it actually can help you level up in your career professionally in a very profound way. It helps you kind of leapfrog and attach yourself to people who are doing what you want to be doing. Right. The same was true with like something like volunteering. Right. If there's an organization that you want to volunteer for. If you're location independent and you're working part time, you could volunteer. It doesn't matter where in the world it is, 
right? You can keep your job. You don't have to get, you know, paid by the organization and you can plug yourself in with that network of people, right? So if you think about, you know, yeah, whatever it is, whatever types of people you're interested in working with, whatever industry you want to break into, um, I think it's a really powerful strategy. And, and I know for me, volunteering was huge, right? And, and it's something I still think about of like, who are the people I want to be surrounded by? I'm just going to go to them. How do I, how do I get my foot in the door to, to be surrounded by those people? No, that's, that's well said. It's interesting though, with what's happened the last few months, a lot of companies have been forced to be remote and yep. most of these companies never thought that, you know, they would be that. And I was actually in a call yesterday with someone in Hong Kong because we were discussing how he could manage his team. And this is one of the things I consult on. And he his comment to me, which is the common comment I hear about um, with remote work is, how can I maintain the productivity of my team? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that or if you've experienced, you know, productivity drops or concerns like uh, managers normally do now. But is there a way to maintain productivity or, or get used to the idea of not, I guess, being around people physically? <laughs> <laughs> well, so yeah, I have a few, few thoughts on that. Um, one is that I think we're kind of sort of in this transition and there's some growing pains. So there's some companies like Buffer, for instance, I believe they're entirely remote, right? Yes. And I think that what happens is there's actually a disconnect when half the team is in person and the other half is remote. And this is something I've definitely felt because my team is in the historically up until now has been primarily all in person and then myself and maybe one other team member have been the people that have been remote and that i think creates challenges because then there's conversations that you're missing out on right mm-hmm. um so that's one thing is that i think we're just sort of we're in this transition where companies are going to figure out how to be most effective in a remote context and part of that is sharing information you know like on slack versus sort of in the hall when you're talking to each other um, so that's, that's one piece of it. No, I mean, the sharing information for sure. I, one of the, the things that I've seen that's very important is I think it's very important to over communicate and to check in, um, but then also to allow for flexibility because you then have to distinguish between, you know, output and, you know, measuring output, you know, in terms of the results versus hours. And, this is particularly difficult for a lot of managers who aren't, I wouldn't call them micromanagers, but it's very important for them to be able to see, okay, this person's doing the work or I, I can correct that person here. Right. Um, I think that adjustment of thinking is, is has been the toughest when I've been consulting on this is because they want to be able to correct something before it becomes, I don't know, the project that they never asked for. Right. And, and it, it can give them anxiety not being there. And at simultaneously, at the same time, you deal with many people who have now become, you know, uh, teachers in addition to, to workers, uh, or, you know, now maybe they're, they're now supporting everyone in the household, or now they're also now running a daycare uh, because of all, all other things. And there's that element of overwhelm and anxiety. And it's not just from the boss, it's from the subordinate. You know, there's just there's just a bunch of different things at the same time. But if none of these things are communicated, it it becomes very frustrating to manage because you could be misunderstanding certain emotions based on just that idea of not being able to 
I guess, empathize with what's going on. Totally. And I do think that, um, and the other thing is like, I, I love remote work. Um, I think it's, it's awesome for personal freedom and it oftentimes can make employees happier. And I think like having the flexibility to do that is fantastic. I don't actually know if, if remote work is the best way to work, especially if you're trying to have the maximum level of like creativity as a team, um, and productivity as a team. Um, but I also think that, like I said, part of it too, is I just feel like the tools are still poor. Um, like the, you know, even like a Zoom call still feels like it falls short from an in-person gathering, right? So I know that, I, and the other thing I'll say too is I think for remote work to work well, um, especially right now with the limited capabilities of some of these tools, it's it takes a lot of like personal autonomy and personal responsibility. Um, and so like the, yeah, it's, I would assume it's probably a lot harder to micromanage someone in a remote context, right? So that means that, you know, mm-hmm. um, being self-sufficient is going to be more and more important. Yeah. 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 How do you, how do you recommend people finding that discipline? Because not everybody can do that. Some people yeah. like some people are extroverts <laughs> and, so, and, and they get energy. Yeah. They get energy from being around other people. Uh, some people, uh, you know, an environment change is important for them to be productive, right? You know, are there tools that you've noticed work or are there rituals that you perform on a daily basis? Well, so I think it's interesting to think about this in the context of like right now in the midst of a pandemic versus normally, right? Because normally I go to an office, but that office is usually a co-working space somewhere, right? So I have this sort of okay, I need to be online and working by, you know, 9am. That means I need to leave the house by X time. Um, and I have a place I can go and it, you know, it's other people working and it feels energetic and energized. And that creates a certain level of like what would be like a normal work experience. Mm -hmm. Um, I've definitely found like right now, obviously I'm just in my house. So I guess what I do is, um, I make sure to keep my phone away for me. I think if you can, like, there's certain things of like just being very, very clear about the time that you start and the time that you end and when you're taking breaks. Um, and also just like limiting distractions, you know? So if I, if my whole team typically works on Slack, which we do, um, then I will, you know, I don't, there's no need for me to have my phone. So I'll even put on airplane mode and like throw it across the room. Um, just so that I can really stay focused because like, otherwise if I'm getting notifications the whole time, it's going to be really distracting and easy to kind of go down a rabbit hole. Um, so I think part of it is, you know, this is actually something I found in general with location independence. Um, if you're your own boss, uh, working on your own projects, it just takes a lot more, um, you have to be really conscious about the choices that you make and about the schedule and you have to be much more in control of, of like your own life and sort of set that stuff up, set that up for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. There's an, there's an element of self-awareness that comes with this. As, as well as self-autonomy, like you were saying, but I think self-awareness is, is is a great first step for many things in life. And knowing yourself, you know, like you, I'm. If I start looking at notifications, I, you know, I, I, I can go down the rabbit hole because I'm one of those people that gets annoyed with the red thing showing up with one five million messages. I'm like, ah, I gotta get this down to zero. <laughs> And, and and then you know, uh, uh, but and I personally like to respond and yeah, okay. But I, I, that's definitely interesting. The other interesting thing with you is this is something that I felt like we connect on. You 
are interested in building a more empathetic and connected world. But the what you said, at least when I was reading, is that you believe that the exposure to radically different ways of living not only gives you that choice and power, but it create you know it leads to this. Yeah. Why do you feel so strongly that that level of exposure to things that are radically different can create more empathy in our world today that is sometimes disconnected? Well, I mean, you know, I know that you've had the experience of living abroad. Yeah. Right. But just that experience in itself is really mind opening. I mean, I think so many of the problems that we have are just a lack of understanding of the way that other people do life, you know, and if you, you know, even if you're, you know, if you're living in Thailand and Thailand is a place that is become quite westernized, you're still, you know, especially if you really dig into the culture and you focus on making Thai friends, you're going to have just a broader understanding. You're going to have a broader level of empathy. Um, and so I think it really just comes down to like understanding and it's about like new stories. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so I don't know, anytime that you, Anytime, I think like empathy is really just about understanding where other people are coming from and understanding the ways that other people live. And, and I don't know, once you become more empathetic, it's like you, you understand that like my way of doing things is not necessarily the best way of doing things. And I can understand the way that other people live and I can understand why, you know, some people are angry or that some people are, you know, don't have what they need. Like, I think it just, the more that you can expand your awareness of the of other people's perspectives, the more it just, um, it allows you to understand then their motivations and allows you to, to be less sort of self-centered. You see things from multiple perspectives, which allows you to, you know, see the world in the, you know, through a wider lens as opposed to a closed minded point of view. Yeah. yeah. The other thing is, I think like for me, when I've been living abroad, you're so aware of the level of privilege that you have. <laughs> to like an extreme yes. standpoint, right? Yeah. A on so many different levels. Like like for me, one is that, okay, I'm I'm working remotely, so I'm getting paid in the US and then I'm spending my money in a cheaper place. So automatically, like from a wealth standpoint, I'm 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 coming from a higher place of privilege that way. Um also even like there's a such thing as like tourist privilege, right? Of like if you're a visitor in a in a foreign country, you don't have to deal with the bullshit of of you know of a of a government that's not treating its people well, right? Yeah. And and if there's a place where tourism is is valued and it's a big part of the economy, you kind of have a certain level of protection. Um. And then just you know it's just so much more in, I think in your face when you're in a place that just you know the the poverty line is lower, right? You're just it's just way more obvious. No, I love that you said that because. One of the things, and the audience knows this, I've brought on a lot of people to talk about privilege. I wrote about it in my book. I think a lot of people just have this weird aversion to the term privilege, but I think in order for any of us to break down systems of oppression or, or any of these things that are limiting people from experiencing their humanity, people need to acknowledge the privileges and understand um, how to use them for good. And I actually just put out a tweet about this, given what's been happening to a lot of black and brown people. But Privilege is, it shows up in many ways. It's not, you know, I mean, there's, there's white privilege, there's passport privilege, there's work privilege, there's, you know, uh, ability, you know, to, to use your hands, you know, able, you know, ableism versus people that have different functions of other 
parts of their bodies. And I find that that uh, unwillingness to acknowledge one's privilege or ability to do something often is a hindrance because then you're not able to understand how you can, one, expose other people to another side of the world where maybe, you know, they don't do things the way you do or, or you're not also able to tap into the inner greatness that you could have by educating other people on a way mm-hmm. to maybe make something more, um, you know, uh, much better uh, for other people given the experience and exposure you've had. And the other thing that I've noticed is there's a level of fear that people have sometimes. They're like, ah, I don't want to be the first person to, <laughs> I mean, I know that I have this privilege, but I don't want to be the first person to do something. I could say the wrong thing. I could do the wrong thing. And then if I do that, then, you know, it would make me feel bad about myself. And then that'd be it. And I don't want my, my reputation to have the stain. And I just feel like mm. people need to do it. Like you, like you were saying, because it's better that way. I, I think, I mean, so for me, you know, cause honestly, Ty, like I, I feel often mixed feelings about even, you know, I, I've discussed in my podcast, like I've done, I did a few episodes on like how to become a digital nomad. Right. And, and moving forward, I'm going to do a, a whole series about like location independence and the future of, of work. And, but I, I feel certain hesitations too, about, about like sharing this information just in the sense of you know, what I saw in a place like Chiang Mai is kind of like global gentrification, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, right. It's people who people who are coming in from abroad who have more money and are kind of pushing local people out. And so to me, it's like part of if part of my message of this and if I'm going to continue sharing this type of information, I feel like that has to be a part of the conversation. Um, you know, there's so much content related to remote work and digital nomadism that just feels kind of jarring to me. It feels a little insensitive. Um, and so as much as possible, I'm trying to have that be a part of the, the conversation. Yeah, I, 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 I do think I, I just, I feel like when you're exposed to something that causes a reaction within you, if it's making you comfortable, there's probably a good chance that it's doing that to other people and it's a good thing to have a conversation. And it, it doesn't have to be a neat conversation. I think it, it's, you know, the messiness of it is is a good start. Now, I, I 100% understand that I might have more of an appetite for messy discussions than a lot of people because I'm very, very interested in disrupting many uh, pieces of status quo. But I do think that practice of having conversations when you don't really quite have the language for, but you feel strongly about something is a good practice because once you do that more and more, you're going to be surprised by how many people will get involved in the conversation. Cause oftentimes many people are waiting for other, the same thing you're doing. They're like, ah, I don't know if I, I mean, I think it, but mm. mm-hmm. <laughs> I say, it. I love- <laughs> yeah, I love your point about not having a language for it. And I think this applies to any conversation. Uh, oftentimes we're hesitant to get involved with the conversation or to chime in because we feel like we're not an expert. Like we haven't done yeah. the research, right? like we don't know, right? And I think your point, which is fantastic about something like, you know, if it's diversity and inclusion or privilege, it's like just having the conversation is the first step. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. But yeah. It's, it's how you're radically different. So <laughs> <laughs> how, can, how can people find you? What are you up to? Yeah. So, um, 
starting next week, I will be releasing weekly episodes of Radically Different. And um, the first several episodes will be focused on location independence, digital nomadism, remote work, the future of work. Um, and then we're just going to kind of expand from there. So yeah, people can find me on um, Instagram and Facebook. The handle is at Radically Different Podcast okay. and at Radically Different Podcast.com. All right. I'll make sure I put that in the show notes. Uh, and then I'll also put a link to your your uh, TEDx talk, which has continued to rack up views after views, which must feel good for you. That's, uh, that's I mean, it's a form yeah. of acknowledgement, but people love what you're saying. It's Yeah, it's been actually it was surprising and, and really, um, really cool to see. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'll put that. I'll put that in the show notes. Uh, last question I I have for you is my mission statement reframed as a question. So, how do you use your difference to make a difference, Sam? Mm. To me, I so I've over the <laughs> over the past year, I would say I've kind of realized that one of my superpowers is curiosity. Um. And so when I think about how I use my difference, um, perhaps my difference is the ability to really be, stay curious, be curious, and really like, mm, really connect with people that way. And so I think that the way that I make a difference is trying to spread that ethos of leading with curiosity, right? Leading with being interested in people, right? Because when you're interested in people, they become interesting. And so through my podcast and through everything I put out, I'm trying to, as much as possible, keep that side of me, that curiosity, the authenticity, with the hope that more people will adopt that um, and bring that into their own lives. Because for me, it's been one of the most powerful um, things that I've had going for me over the past two years. And it just opens doors. It um, it makes you more empathetic. And uh, like I said, I think it also in a way, creates a, a better world as well. Perfect. Well, I want to thank you for coming on the show. It's been a real pleasure. I've uh, enjoyed learning about your mindset, and, and it's uh, it appears that you're committed to doing something radically different, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Tayo. It's an honor. Uh, pleasure is mine. And um, ladies, gentlemen, and gender non-binary individuals, till next time, use your difference to make a difference. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.